0: Excelsis.
1: Quality custom filemaker development and consulting.
0: Excelsis.
1: Home with the X-Files, including X-Biz Tracker 2.0, a completely free and unlocked jumpstart solution based on best practices.
0: Excelsis. Excelsis.
1: Free filemaker tips and tricks, demo files, and white papers. Excelsis. Excelsis. Go to Excelsys.com, E-X-C-E-L-I-S-Y-S dot com. Welcome to FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navar. Today, our guest is Matt Navar, and our guest host is Jonathan Stark. Welcome, Jonathan. Hi, Matt. We're reversing things up a little bit because today the subject is FM search results, which is some software that I wrote that we just released. And so you're going to interview me, and I'm looking forward to your questions. But before we get into that, let's talk about some FileMaker news. Sounds good. So one of the cool things that happened recently was pause on error a free conference in New York. Tell me more about that.
0: Unfortunately, I found out about it too late to go. I had a previous engagement in Boston. I was speaking at a developer's group up there. But the cool thing about Pause on Error was that they u-streamed the sessions. So I got to watch a couple of them, I guess, the, next, the following Monday. And uh, it, I wanted to go in the first place, but after I watched those, I really wish I had gone. I'll definitely go to the next one.
1: The next one's going to be in Portland, Oregon, some weird, obscure city, <laughs> in January. Cool. The dates haven't been set yet, but it's going to be at the Ace Hotel, which is a really cool hotel. They have uh, really inexpensive rooms. They have rooms with, like, bunk beds in them. <laughs> and then they have corner rooms with, like, a really nice, like, a big, huge suite kind of thing, but with really weird, cool, kitschy furnishings. So I'm looking forward to that. Cool. So, yeah, it was a, a conference with no charge, any, or anybody could show up. I don't think it was just by invitation only, right? You could just go.
0: It said on the Facebook event, it specifically said,
1: "Bring anyone you want." Pretty cool, and you could find it by just searching Google for "pause on error" all one word. Yep. It's got a, it's got a domain, but it's a little longer subdomain kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be moderating a really cool um, session at DevCon that you're going to be a panelist on. So talk about that.
0: Yeah. I guess the title we're going with is uh, Six Secrets of Running a Successful Consulting Business, or something like that. And it's going to be Kirk Bowman from Mighty Data, Molly Thorson from Thorson Consulting, and Jesse Barnum from 360 Works, and myself. And you'll be moderating it, as you said. And we're going to talk about more of the business side of being a, a FileMaker developer. And I'm already just having emails back and forth between the panelists has been Really informative, and I think it's going to be really good for, especially obviously, for people who are trying to run a business or thinking about going out on their own. There are a lot of things to take into consideration that don't normally get talked about at DevCon.
1: Right. I'm really excited about this particular one because you panelists actually have our, approach your companies in such different ways. Yeah. So there's going to be some really wide ideas that'll come out of this. You know, your whole value based approach, mm-hmm. which was a really eye opener for me. And mm-hmm. then some of the other ones are, just have such totally different looks at things. You know, Molly with her, um, work on, on HR and finding the right talent. Yep. Jesse is so spread and has so many amazing things for the, what he does with building products and sort yep. of his model of a company. It's just, I, I'm going to really love that aspect of yeah. it. Yeah. It's,
0: it's, I'm really looking forward to it. I want to hear what they have to say. I almost don't want to talk to them too much ahead of time. I mean, we need to know what we're doing, but. I'm looking forward to actually learning on the spot with, you know, questions from the crowd, and hopefully people will come and check it out.
1: So that's pretty cool. So what's your It's Not FileMaker for today?
0: I definitely have to say Aardvark, which is, it's a new sort of cloud service, web 2.0, poster child kind of thing. But it seems to take all of the things that I love about Facebook and Twitter and mash them into one really elegant, not interface, but I mean, the whole thing is just, it's just an elegant solution for getting questions answered really quick in real time from people that you know, or friends of friends. So it gives the, the questions a much higher relevance, as far as I'm concerned, much higher relevance based on, you know, who's giving the answer, because you actually know who they are, you know, if they know what they're talking about and it's really unobtrusive. It's not, you know, you'd never email a qu- questions to people, everyone that you know, you know, that would be super annoying. Um, but this just it strikes, our strikes a balance between, um, all of those things so that you can sort of casually ask everyone, you know, a question about something and they can either choose to ignore it or, or answer you. And it's pretty cool so far. Obviously, uh, it needs to have users on it for it to make sense, but it seems like it's getting a lot of press and hopefully it'll catch on because I really like it.
1: And that's what? V-A-R-K dot com? Yeah,
0: vark.com. dot com. Cool. Yeah.
1: So you told me about it before we started and I just joined it and of all my Facebook friends, you were the only one who was already on there. So hopefully after this podcast, mm-hmm. a lot of people who follow us will be joining up and checking it out. It's free. So... Yep. um my, it's not Final Maker. I've been getting into photography. So, and what really sparked that was getting the new Canon SLR camera, the entry, or actually the the high-end consumer one. So it's not the professional one at all, which is the T1I, which shoots uh, HD video. But the video part actually didn't turn out to be that exciting for me. Just the ability to take incredibly clear photos with a variety of lenses. Turn me from a snapshot photographer into someone who actually really wants to take photographs and mm. frame a shot and try to get shallow depth of field in certain cases and, and you know, learn all the different parts that, that go into to making a photograph. So I've been reading books and stuff like that. Cool. So I guess in general, it's um if you like taking pictures, borrow someone's or buy a digital SLR camera. Uh, because the possibilities that you can get when you can go from super wide angle to super telephoto are just amazing and fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's I have had plenty of situations where I was like,
1: damn, I wish this iPhone had Zoom. <laughs> yeah, no kidding.
0: Yeah, I'm, obviously there's no comparison. It sounds like an expensive hobby, though, is that, uh, is it?
1: Well, we had a couple of lenses that uh, we had from a bunch of years ago. Um, the camera itself, I think retails for like nine hundred, so mm-hmm. that 's not cheap uh, right. and and lenses well actually really, really big lenses can be twenty thirty forty thousand dollars but l- lenses that you typically buy as a consumer probably are in the three hundred to eight hundred dollar range mm-hmm. um depending on what you 're trying to achieve and okay. I only have three, so I have a, a wide a super wide angle one. The one, the default one that came with the camera, which is good for, like, portraits. And then a telephoto that we had um, that goes up to 300 millimeters so I can get really far away shots close in. And that's so, enough range to do just about anything that I want to do.
0: Yeah, so burgeoning paparazzi, right?
1: Yeah, right. No, 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 it's not, not a paparazzi type one. Those ones are, like, 1,000-millimeter uh, lenses that you can get really super far away shots. This is only 300, so this is, like... Uh, shooting birds sitting in a tree 100 yards away, kind of lens.
0: That's still that's something.
1: Yeah, that's something that's more than you can do with your iPhone. <laughs> that's right, <yeah>. See <laughs> but that it's a
0: spec down there.
1: It's a pretty big camera. It's not something you just have around your neck all day. Mm-hmm. You, you pretty much set out to take photographs, kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's great. Well, hopefully you should uh, do you put them on Flickr or something. Or? Yeah,
1: I've got, I'm have got. i not sure what's going to win. So I put some of them on my Mobile Me page, some mm-hmm. of them on Facebook, and some of them on Flickr. And each okay. uh, there's things I like about each of those. Uh, I'm not sure which one's going to win. Huh. Facebook's really cool if you take pictures of people because it has the part that tags people. And then when yes. you put a picture up of some, someone that you know, they get notification that they've been tagged in a photograph. And that makes it really fun.
0: Yeah, that's true. I it's mean, you the can most be tag- tagging in Flickr, but it's not going to notify them,
1: right? And when you hover over the picture in Flickr, it doesn't look like it actually says the name of the person who's under the cursor, you know, right. which Facebook does that,
0: right? Oh, interesting. All right, so let's talk about FM search results coming from from my perspective which is knowing very little about it uh, other than what I've seen in the videos uh, on the seed code website uh, it almost seems like there's a bit, little bit of a trend emerging making these making things like FM search results so they're not like a full-blown you know business solution it just does this discrete piece of functionality and I, I'm really intrigued by the overall concept and I'm also intrigued by how it actually works because FM search results, just from a technical standpoint, seems to do magic. So (laughs) (laughs) could you start off by just telling me and everyone exactly what FM search results is?
1: It's an add-in product for FileMaker that you can entirely copy and paste into your existing solution. When you buy it, it's a sample file that um, has a bunch of code in it and of some layouts. Uh, Mostly it's scripts. It's primarily the logic is built into the script that does the work. And when you integrate in your solution, you, you close the sample file and you're done with it. So you can buy it and put it into multiple solutions and then customize it for each solution. And it gives you Google-style search driven from a single field. So it, it um, kind of breaks search down into a few phases. And by the way, for those who want to know more about it, this is also one of my topics at DevCon that I'll be uh, presenting on. And I'll be giving away a lot of the secrets in that conference. I'll be, you know, not hiding anything. You can't really sell something at a DevCon thing. You really need to be sharing information. So it, when you type something into the search, it breaks down and determine what it is that you just typed in. Did you type in a name or a phone number or an email address or a website uh, or an integer or a decimal? It figures out what type of data that it was. And the, I got inspired from that when I realized in Google, if you typed in a FedEx tracking number or a UPS tracking number, It looked at where the dashes were and how many digits there were and said, that's a FedEx tracking number. I'm not going to go anywhere on the Internet except FedEx to look for that particular thing. Yeah, I love that. And I thought, okay, well, Google has thousands of data types, but it understands what they are. Right. If you put in a name and it's a star, it knows to go look in a certain place. If you put in a phone number, it knows, oh, that looks like a phone number, so I'm going to go see if I can search like a Yellow Pages type of a thing. You know, I got inspired by that to think how much, how close could I get to that in FileMaker and what are the types of data that customers typically are going to have that I could empower for what they have? Because it's very, very different than Google, both the number of records and the styles of search that you want to do. So I spent a bunch of time, I don't know, probably a couple of years um, playing with different versions of this Jeez. and then decided to commercialize it.
0: Wow. So have you, um, I have a million questions. I'll try to try not
1: to go nuts. <laughs>
0: Have you, you said you've been working on it for years. Have you been, have you built it in the past for say like a customer? Yeah,
1: it's different versions of it are integrated into many of my um, consulting client systems. The other, the other thing about it that it does is it searches multiple tables and shows you the results from the multiple tables on one screen. Right. So if you have a typical contact management system where you've got company table, person table, phone number table, um, and then maybe like a follow up notes table and, and an invoices table, and you type something in like Stratocaster, Mm -hmm. it might go, and maybe you sell guitars, you're not going to find that anywhere except for the invoices table. Mm -hmm. If you type in Jonathan Stark, it's going to find that in the person table. And then maybe there's also a company called Jonathan Stark Enterprises that it will find in the company table. Mm -hmm. And so it'll give you all those hits in whatever format that you put them in. And so that's kind of what I've um, done. So you can also go get the sample file and play with the sample data. And you can type the word Stratocaster, and it's actually right there in the invoices table because I put that in my, in my sample.
0: <laughs> Good move. More of a telly guy myself. Really? So- <laughs> no, I'm i cat- actually I
1: actually <laughs> am, too. I have a couple tellies and I sold my strat.
0: <laughs> Speaking of the multiple table search, in the video, at one point, John Sindelar is doing the video, the demo video. And at one point, John clicks on a phone number, and it goes to the contact table. Is that you know instead of the phone number table, where it actually found the number? Mm -hmm. So, is that something that you, as the developer, or not you as the developer of, of the product, but me as someone integrating it, is that something I can configure, or is it just? guessing that since it's phone, then I'm going to look for a table called contact.
1: Yeah, that's actually something that you configure. So actually, that's a very good catch, by the way, that you notice that. So what it does is it, when it searches on each table, one of the principles that it uses is it only ever searches on index fields in the specific table that you're in. So mm-hmm. it never searches, like if you're in the company table and you see a list of contacts and those contacts have phone numbers, you could just click into the portal, into the phone number field when you're in find mode and do a search. Yep. and 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 do it. And that's the way a lot of people would do it, and it would give you a list of companies that match that particular phone number. But it would be really slow because it has to resolve that relationship two relationships away to do a search for those phone numbers. If instead you went over to the phone number table and entered the exact same search, it would be instantaneously fast. Right. And so what, what this particular code does, it says, okay, well, now you have a list, you have a hit of a specific phone number, go to that phone number record and then go to the related contact for that phone number and show that contact record. Mm -hmm. So that's basically what it does. So that's, there's code when you get into it that you can really easily see when I show something from this particular table, go to this related table to show the result. Oh, I see. Makes sense.
0: So, okay. Obvious question then is uh, what if you have a phone number and it relates to a company or a person?
1: Well, you'd have to pick one place to go. So when you for do a instance, when you do a hit yeah. for a phone number, you say, you know, where are you going to go? What's the primary place you want to display that? Um, by the way, on the list of results, you can also easily configure what information you're displaying. So next to the phone number, you could show the primary contact name, or you can show a list of the contact names. Um, and then you can show a list of the companies. You know, you could show pretty flexibly whatever data that you want. And that data can be related because at that point, it doesn't really matter that it's related because you didn't search against it. You're just displaying related data. FileMaker can display related data for 10 or 20 records instantly. It just doesn't search against a million related pieces of data quickly.
0: Yeah, and that that leads me to just, I guess, a comment, which is uh, before we got started, you showed me a, uh, a file that has, what was it, 12 million total records? Yep. And really, it wasn't one word per field type of stuff. I mean, we're talking about uh, Wikipedia article size data. Yeah,
1: 16 it, gigabyte file.
0: Yeah, huge. And like scary big. And uh, I mean, it's just instantaneous. The search is just instantaneous. Yeah. It's it's pretty amazing. So how how is it that, like, there has to be... A cost like it must be slow when you first load the data or creating a record Like I don't understand how it could be that fast
1: well one of the tests I did last year was I had a 1 billion record table <laughs> that only had like a name in it and I wanted to see for myself how what changes in FileMaker when you get past the 100 million and the 1 billion mark in terms of count of records. so that's a 150 gigabyte database and what I found was, first of all, it takes—I uh, can't remember what the metric was—but it takes five minutes to open that file, <laughs> just to load could, the index. And I think the status
0: part even display the found
1: count. Um, yeah, actually, it didn't in in uh, FileMaker nine; it would cut off the last digit. <laughs> <laughs> but in ten, of course, we've got lots of space now because it's horizontal. Yeah. And there was some other weird glitches too. Like if you went to go to record. It, you couldn't go to record of a, for a number higher than about 10 million or so. It just would say, I, I don't know what that number is. <laughs> <laughs> um, the script step worked, but you couldn't actually do it manually in the interface. Wow. I thought that was so funny that I actually submitted it as a bug in FileMaker. Just, <laughs> just to crack up their tech support people with no expectation it would actually be looked at. Yeah, I'm sure they're on it. Right, yeah. Um,
0: okay, so yeah, so. And I so found as was- a
1: result of that, that once it was loaded, even the very first search and every search after that was instant. There was nothing you could do to slow down an index search in the table that you're in. It just was instantaneously fast. Huh. And so I thought, huh, well, if you could do one of them instantaneously fast, how about doing a whole bunch of them in a row or doing them in several different tables? And there was no speed hit. So basically I thought this is something I could take advantage of. I can use the fact that this is super fast to, you know, serialize a bunch of them in a row. And, and that's what search results is.
0: Huh? So it is slow to open files like that, but there's nothing you can do about that, right? Right. And well,
1: 150 gigs is crazy. Yeah. I mean, that was just a proof of concept. That's not really
0: the file that you showed me earlier. How long does it take to open that?
1: Oh, seconds. Ten seconds, maybe.
0: Hey, that's that is amazing. Um. So I have a couple of questions about integrating it because it's a very powerful feature. It would take it take it. I mean. You've been working on it for years. I don't know if it sounds like it. It would take hours and hours and hours of time to even begin to build something like this. So it doesn't make any sense uh, to, to me why I wouldn't buy it if someone wanted that kind of feature. It would just be silly to music,
1: not buy it. Music to my ears. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, but so, okay, so I, immediately my mind goes to, okay, well, why, why might I regret that decision? You know what? Because I don't normally do that sort of thing. I don't even use that many plugins, like regular plugins, because right. you just don't know when it's going to bite you. Um, so I love that uh, search results is 100 percent pure FileMaker. Mm-hmm. The first thing I think is okay. How was does the licensing work? If I buy it, what does that entitle me to? You know, as, assuming that I'm going to be putting it into some customer's solution. Who owns it?
1: Well, I guess you own it i mean the the code is copyrighted, so if you try to re-release that product as a for sale product, mm-hmm. that would not be good but mm-hmm. you can you can change it any way that you want mm-hmm. and the way the scripts are written it's not just one script there's a whole bunch of different segments um, that mm-hmm. you do so there's the main search actually has three scripts that it runs one of them one of them sets it up for the whole master. And, mm-hmm. and that one calls the subscript, which is the iterative one, which can run one, two, three, or four, depending upon what you're trying to do, searches. And then there's the the granu- the most granular one, which does a one specific search in one context. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you type in Robert Smith, and um, I'm kind of getting deep into it here, and it, and it doesn't find a Robert Smith in your database. It's not, so, in other words, it returns zero records. Yep. Then it says, well, let me try a name substitution. In my little name substitution database, Robert is also Bob. I'll try a search for Bob Smith. And then it finds Bob Smith, and it shows you the result. And let's say that one fails because there's no Bob Smith. Then it tries an or search. It It creates two search requests, one for Robert and one for Smith, and then gives you a list of anything that's Robert or Smith, and then it shows you those records in that particular table, and then it goes on to the next one. Each of those parts is all customizable. Um, There's been a few bugs found by users already, and we've already addressed them. I can create a little tiny database with a script in it because all the scripts are contextless. Right. So I can copy and paste the master code into a database with no layouts and no table occurrences. Cool. Email that to you. You can copy and paste that code from that FileMaker file into your customer solution Mm -hmm. and fix the bug cool which is pretty cool because it's, it's yeah. the layouts are it's it's there's one layout for to show the results right and then there's a layout that you make in each table that you want to configure which fields you want to search against and which fields you want to display and what the primary key is every table that you search on has to have a primary key yeah and that's it that's pretty much the integration
0: cool sounds easy
1: it is easy it can be done as little as 20 minutes wow
0: What do I do if I have a a legacy solution that was originally FileMaker 3, 4, 5, 6 that has 30 files?
1: I did some tests for that as well. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, the best way to integrate it in one like that is if you have a main file, like a main menu file or a main company file or something like that, is to do the integration into that file. And that Mm -hmm. would mean that you'd have to add one table occurrence for every file that you want to search. So if you have a 30-file solution probably there's really only five or ten of those files have data that you really want to be searching against for something like this where you're really trying to show one result. True. And so what you would do is you would add table occurrences on your graph, very, very minimal, for each of those tables, and then you'd you'd create uh, a single simple layout for each of those tables and then paste the objects that come with the sample file, all of which takes hardly any time to do. And then, in all of your other files that you have, you paste the little search widget into the corner. I think it should go into the same place on every layout in your solution that customers might want to do a search from, like in the top right corner or something like that. Mm -hmm. And and there's no other change you have to make to any of those other 30 files. That script gets called. It uses a FileMaker 10 trigger. Mm -hmm. So when the user types something into the global field and hits enter, it triggers a script which goes back to the main file of your solution goes to the proper layout, does a search and then and then pops up a new window to show their results and Then when the user clicks on a specific result line mm-hmm. it it targets a specific layout of one of your thirty files and opens up a window so that the they can see it and then it shows their result right there. And that result can either be a detailed record or a list. Because one of the other things that it can do is, let's say you type in John Smith and you've got a gigantic database of names and there's 300 John Smiths found. It's going to show you the first 10 or however, however many you want to show. And right. then there will be a line at the bottom that says, and 290 more results.
0: Yeah, that is
1: cool. And if you click the and 290 more, uh, a list will pop up of that table and that yep. will reperform that same search, and you 'll have the whole list of records that you can then sort and scroll and go to the specific one you want to find
0: yeah that is that is in the video as well if people haven 't seen it it's uh it's really nice I mean i can 't think of anything I would do to improve it, so again, I would just if somebody said to me today, "Oh I need, you know I want to be able to search the whole the whole thing like Google, I would immediately buy it there's no reason not to
1: A lot of people have told me that when they do search in their system. That it's slow and there's problems with speed. I'm not exactly sure how that happened in different systems. I know that probably the biggest reason that that search is, is sometimes considered slow in FileMaker is because of the related search problem. Mm-hmm. And so this gets around that nicely. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully that will be like the first set of users who get it will be people who their customers complain that it's hard to find something in their database or that it's mm-hmm. slow to use a search the way they have it now.
0: Right. The thing. Usually when I have somebody complaining about a slow search, it's pretty much 100% of the time that they're searching an unindexed calc, you know, so this totally addresses that because it doesn't, well, assuming that, I guess it doesn't, you can't really totally address that, but uh, assuming that that calculation field is based on index fields elsewhere, then this would solve the problem.
1: Right, for example, if, if you make a field in your contacts table called calculated phone, And it is a list, it uses the list function and shows you all the phone numbers in your related phone table. And you search on that calculated phone table, that's going to be, first of all, it's unindexable because it's related. Yeah. And it's going to be really slow. But if you just do a slight re-architect of that same exact thing, it could Mm -hmm. be instantaneously fast. Because, of course, the phone field, any object field like that, that's an end object, should be an indexed field, I think.
0: Right. Yeah, I actually have a solution that has an interesting—I guess it's not that interesting—but it's it's uh, interesting to me because I'm a geek. Um, but it's a scheduling solution where each event has is scheduled, you know, across potentially multiple days. So each one of those days is, can have different number of people in it. So I have to track all sorts of data against each day. So I said, well, I, I need to make uh, event day records in order to do that. And I have a calculation in the event record that does like, uh, you know, a start date dash end date, you know, so it, visually you can see that uh, the particular event is going to run from Monday to Friday next week. Right. Sort of thing. And not only can't, I mean, you can't even really search that. If, if you did, it would be horrible. Right. But you it doesn't understand the that it's dates. Right, because that's a
1: date range. Yeah, yeah that's it's tricky. not even a
0: real date range; it's just text.
1: Right. So if you, yeah, that's tricky because then if you you really want that to be, if a user clicked on a date in between those two dates, like if they said, like you had the dates from July first to July fourteenth, if someone typed in July seventh, you'd want that record to come up, right?
0: Yeah, you want that. You want to know everything that's running on a given day, so you need to you need to know yeah. that, not just when they're starting. So I I you know I hacked around it and made a made that field not enterable in find mode, and then I put a related field from the date table underneath it so the two fields are on top of each other. So if you're in find mode, your cursor accidentally goes into the related field. But if you're in browse mode, it goes into the date range field. And and that's fast, but...
1: Um, but it's still related.
0: It's No, it's still really fast, though, because it's the relationship is indexed in both directions, uh, and it's only one step away. It's not... Right a long hop and there are not that many records. We're not talking about 16 mm-hmm. million records. Um, but the problem is that uh, is that works, but there, are, it has come up in several cases where, you know, the the business owner wants to extend it and be able to do more stuff. And it just really doesn't, the interface doesn't support going much farther than that. And uh, this would, this is, this kind of search is the way people kind of think about search because of Google, I suppose. So I, I think it's it's just a, a more elegant approach. It seems more obvious to me. Well,
1: yeah, one of the other principles that I really started with was people already know how to search in Google. They already know that they can put something in quotes or they can, you know, do different types of things to get certain types of results. Mm-hmm. Just take advantage of that training and make something work that way already, you know, right. use an established standard, I guess. Yeah, definitely. In your particular example, that's a little tricky because the actual you know, July 7th date isn't necessarily stored that way. So what I might do for something like that is take advantage of FileMaker triggering. And every time the user changes the start date or the end date, populate an invisible field that has a list of all the dates in between the range. Use a range function or a custom function or something like that. And then that'd be a stored indexed field that's invisible and then if the user types July 7th or 9th or 14th automatically that date is going to be in there and it's going to come up instantly. Right.
0: Well, in my case I do actually have a record for all of the intervening days.
1: Mm, there you go. So So you could also go to that table. You could you right, could that's invisibly what I do, switch yeah. context to that place, mm-hmm. find the date and then go to do a go to related all all records and it would show all the ones that match for all those dates.
0: Yeah, just like it would be basically just like your phone example except mm-hmm. for with dates. Exactly. You uh Just touched on something that uh, leads me to one of my upcoming questions, which is Google supports certain operators, uh, you know, like the minus sign to omit results containing whatever is right after the minus sign, things like that. Is there anything like that in here outside of the normal FileMaker search operators?
1: Well, um, actually, the FileMaker search operators, I actually had to add in and and do in an intelligent way. So not all of them work. You can do a date range. So you can put in a range of dates and it will search on those intelligently. You can use greater than and less than and greater than equal to less than equal to. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't do the minus sign. Some of the ones in Google I thought were really pretty advanced features that were used by less than 1% of users. And I really thought about it. And we may add something like that in a future version. You can put something in quotes to suppress the, um, the iterative search feature. So yep. if you, if you put in Jonathan Stark in quotes, it won't do a Jonathan Orstark Stark search. It'll just do the whole thing, right? Uh, and there are some other the the other thing that's sort of a the hidden thing is how you format what you type in. So if you type in one two three dash four five six seven, it knows it's a phone number because it Matt you know passes a mask mm-hmm. and sees that that's a phone number. Whereas if you type in one two three four five six seven, that might be an a number. That might be an invoice ID. Right. It's just an integer. Right. And same with email address. If you put an at sign in and it ends in a, and there's an at sign and a single and at least one dot, it knows what that is. So, and all that code is also uh, accessible and editable if you wanted to add custom data types. So, for example, if in your system, invoice numbers are integers between uh, 10,000 and Mm 50,000, and integers between 70,000 and 90,000 are follow up numbers, you could create data types for those things specifically. And then if users types in one number or the other, you could go to the specific place.
0: Wow, that's cool. And do you configure that sort of thing in the scripts?
1: Uh, Yeah. Um, Everything is done with uh, global script variables. Mm -hmm. When the script runs to configure every time you do a search, it populates a set of of global script variables that all start $$SR. So for search results. Right. And that way, they're not going to conflict with any other global script variables you're likely to have in your solution. Right. And um, so it, that's where it stores many of those things when you're running a search.
0: Wow, that is super cool. How many? I just, uh, out of curiosity, do you even have a sense of of how many hours it took? Not all along, you know, along the years, but uh, when you decided to turn this into a commercial product, how much effort did that take?
1: Probably about, I don't know, four or five months of fairly intensive development. Mm-hmm. Not you know not like 40-hour-a-week development, but uh, every day for several weeks in a row, I'd spend some time on it, an hour, a few hours, something like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it was me, and a lot of it was John Sindler. So the relationship that John and I have is kind of like a book publisher to a book author. Mm -hmm. And he's also done a lot of editing. So he did a lot of the customer-facing stuff. He actually did a lot of the – some of the coding in search results itself, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the layouts. He did a lot of his magic because he's so brilliant at user interface. And so he – and actually, we had the master online for both of us to edit simultaneously, so that was good. And and I went up to Seattle once, and he came to Portland once, So we actually programmed together for a day. Mm -hmm. Hundreds of hours, certainly – I didn't really count it. It was really a labor of love. But my primary goal for this wasn't really to try to make a bunch of money in selling a utility to a bunch of people. It was mm-hmm. you know, kind of going along with my DevCon stuff. It was, I basically had done so much work understanding FileMaker search that I thought it would be really cool to see if this would be a useful product for people to buy for a cheap price. Mm-hmm. And it starts yeah. at
0: $119. Yeah, so I mean, probably most people listening to this charge... At- you know, around that or more than that, an hour. And I think it would take more than an hour to build. So <laughs>
1: yeah, it's I think so.
0: as soon as someone asks me for a search, I'm just going to buy it. There's like no, no question. In fact, I'm, I'm going to mention it to that customer with the dates because it just seems like, seems like the kind of thing that they would really like. And it's uh, the way they think they don't, they're not thinking about, you know, FileMaker like f- some customers do. Like they, they started off as developers and they built their business on this FileMaker thing that they made and they, they know, you know, more about it than a, I guess a typical end user. So I think if you have a customer that has like a lot of regular people who are just trying to get their job done, this is a totally appropriate style of search. And I, you know, obviously, um, people can still do normal searches, right? I mean, it doesn't prevent them from doing a normal FileMaker search.
1: Yeah, the the way I sort of see it in my head is this is designed so that the user can find a a record or a couple of records that they believe are already in the database. Yeah, It's not a report generation tool. (laughs) And so if you put the widget in the top corner, um, the way I would do it is you'd put it up there and they could type in, you know, whatever they're searching against, Stratocaster or invoice number, one, two, three, four, they would just type in one, two, three, four. Mm -hmm. And then it would say, okay, here's, here's the hit list. But if they, if they want to do a more powerful search, then they would not type anything in and they would just click the search button. And that would just use your existing search script. You would just call the script that you already use for search so that, in some solutions, you might actually just replace your existing search button that you already have all over the place that goes mm-hmm. to a dedicated search layout yeah. with this widget. And this would do both things.
0: Yeah. So it gives you your advanced type search. Right. Even though your search is more advanced, <laughs> you get the Well, idea. no, no,
1: no. I mean, you can't do, you know you don't get to control the specifics of how this works, so if a user really knows what they're doing and they know that I want to go and search only on the company name field and okay. I want to make a second request that says omit people who are in Washington or something
0: yeah exactly. um,
1: you know th- that's something that really you just want to go to your know, regular find mode and your regular file maker ways of doing that yeah and- so
0: it's great I mean it has it, it doesn't doesn't paint you into a the corner there's no you know, long-term dependency on, on, uh, you know, you updating some plugin or something. It's just great.
1: Another thing that I thought was interesting when I sort of thought about this was when you type, when you do a search in Google and you don't get the results that you want, which are you more likely to do? Are you go to go to page two or are you likely to refine your search by editing a search term and trying it again?
0: Almost always the latter, but depends on what i 'm searching for
1: right, and I found the same thing in me and in most people that I talk to and so in Filemaker, if your search takes three seconds, you wouldn 't do that, but if your search is a small fraction of a second, you would but you would just edit your search term and try it again, and so that 's also what I was aiming for here. It was if the page that pops up 's not there just edit it and add a name or delete a name or change the spelling or, you know, try something again until that first page has the thing that you believe is in your database.
0: Yes. How many ends are in Tennille? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Two. We found out earlier today. Yeah. <laughs> if you're talking about the captain. Exactly.
0: <laughs> well great. I mean, that, that answers all my questions. I'm sold. So, uh, that sounds good. And, uh, I guess I, I feel like thanking you for, for the whole community. <laughs> For never for writing search once and for all,
1: <laughs> uh, we'll see. I mean, there's going to be many versions of it, but hopefully,
0: yeah. I love that you're getting feedback on it already. I'm sure that was very interesting to you.
1: Yeah, um, actually, Sindler um, John Sindler says that that process has really not yet begun. He says that the typical types of things that happen when. When you release a product like this is when people start really getting into it, you're going to get requests for features and directions of it that you never could have guessed. And he mm-hmm. says to him, that's one of the most fun parts about it. He says sometimes it's frustrating because the things that people want to do are, are uh, kind of way out there. But mm-hmm. it's, it's just really um, interesting. So far, I haven't had any really wacky requests, but it's only been on the market for a couple of weeks. So,
0: yeah, Yeah. Well, keep your fingers crossed. I'm sure they're coming. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, kind of like takes on a life of its own in a way.
1: Well, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks for uh, turning the tables. It was a little weird um, pimping my own stuff on on the podcast. I hope, <laughs> I hope listeners forgive me for that. <laughs> I didn't know what else to do, but it's a, if someone else released this product, I'd be interviewing the person who wrote it. So I thought it was only fair.
0: Yeah, and I, I actually contacted you originally because I had a bunch of questions, and I was like, hey, why don't we just
1: record this? It's a good idea. Yeah, so
0: well great job. Thanks for having yourself on.
1: <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, see ya.